play is already underway and we have another preview amongst other news you don't want to miss this week's episode of the indie ball report podcast We are back again, episode number 218 of the Indie Ball Report Podcast. I'm Nick, he's Will, and uh, let me just say, baseball can be very exhausting sometimes. It it really can. Um, I, I, I love it, it's, a, it's such a great game, but sometimes it just, it, it tests, that, that love gets tested because there's not a lot of times where you you watch like a sporting event. You're wow, that's just like awful quality. And like baseball, you just get it. Seem to get it more than others. And that's all I'll say. But you know, yeah, I'll talk you, about better baseball. You never really know when you're going to wind up saying, "Oh, okay, you know, we got some really good high quality ball." Like you know, we saw that with the first couple games in the American Association season and the Frontier season, and we've seen it in the Atlantic League, all things we're going to talk about. And then every once in a while, you get a 24-17 score where exactly. it's not on the merit of the pitching. Nope, it's it's not. And uh, it was it's pretty rough. I mean, you get to, col- you get to college baseball, and for, for context, uh, th- this recording for everyone, the recording was delayed uh today by quite a bit because of the fact that pitchers at a d2 conference tournament i was working at simply cannot pitch and the scores were uh 20 17 was game one and 15 14 was game three and it was just a mess because nobody could pitch and it was you know it, it, it gets college baseball gets to that point sometimes uh when you're really digging deep um for arms come tournament play time yeah, and you know, I think maybe they were just celebrating NFL schedule release by putting up some football scores. I think that was probably it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It has to be. So uh, with that said, we're going to dive headlong into this because we have an American Association preview this week. We're going to have our Frontier League preview next week because, well, A, I don't have that stat pack done yet, and B, I don't think anyone wants this to run off for nearly five hours, which if we were to do two leagues, uh, two of the larger leagues too, both in the same episode, it would. So we got American Association preview towards the, I guess, last two thirds of this show. But before that, we have news we've got to get to, Pioneer League news, American Association news, and we also got to talk about the Atlantic League a little bit too. So let's get started with that news, get that out of the way so that way we can get into baseball talk. Pioneer League's leading us off. They have a partnership with TrackMan now for baseball related data collection uh so pitchers will have their release their flight and strike zone tracks so you know general uh advanced numbers that relate to pitchers they're gonna have that information tracked uh batters you'll have things like exit speed spin rate launch angle that kind of thing that'll be tracked for them uh the tech's gonna be in all 10 pioneer league ballparks and the data will be shared with major league clubs so i would imagine that it'll also be shared with the players themselves however if it's being you know kind of included in a scouting report for each major league club it's already kind of accomplishing the goal that a player would want and i have to imagine if it's going to major league clubs it's probably going to partner league clubs but we really don't know because nobody knows what the hell the partner designation actually means and i highly doubt we'll ever fully know the details because i highly doubt even major league baseball knows all the details behind that label but that's a whole nother issue 
TrackMan partnership, any immediate thoughts on that as we lead off with it? Well, I think it's getting the Pioneer League up to up to speed as opposed to, uh, you know, when you compare them to other partner leagues as well that have that have TrackMan and TrackMan data and stuff like that. So I, I'm almost kind of surprised that it hasn't been there already uh, just because it's kind of been, especially in this day and age, it's become so commonplace. Uh, but certainly a good thing uh, with, with uh, being able to keep track of data and share that with uh, hopefully other partner league teams as well. Uh, as of course, of, of course, with the, the MLB organizations as well. But yeah, I think there there is pretty sure most other specifically uh, like affiliated minor leagues for sure, Atlantic League for sure. I assume the American and the Frontier as well. Yeah, but, I uh, think for them they use like Rapsodo. Uh, uh, it's all the same stuff. Yeah, right? I mean it's Rapsodo. all. Yeah, I mean it's all basically the same. Them baseball cloud, all that. I think they all have varying deals you know like everybody's got to have their own exclusive provider so i think that's what the frontier league and the american association do i feel like there's another one that used i feel like uspbl also does data collection i think they were like kind of the leader on that but because of the uspbl nobody really pays attention to that and uh, i think they may do it themselves but i don't really know for certain but yeah i mean you're right that everyone is now finally up to speed on data collection yeah and that's and that's a good thing for for everybody involved doesn't hurt anybody but uh but good to see the pioneer league uh take another step in the in the right direction in that sense definitely it gets them back up to speed after you know really not quite being there i mean them not being up to speed their ballpark quality not being quite there is i think a large reason why they are now independent so they've really done a lot and what about the three years since they were cut to really kind of revamp their whole brand i mean we talked about the whole flow sports thing last week and we could say what you will which i gotta say the technical issues from the american association tv uh yesterday meaning thursday opening day really hurts the flow sports agenda i'm trying to push here so gotta get that ironed out but even still that aside they've done a lot in the way of content creation they've done a lot in the way of increasing the brand they've done a lot in the way of just kind of really revamping the whole image of the pioneer league and i feel like this is just another step forward in that kind of modernizing them a bit getting like you said getting up to speed on all the data collection everything like that trying to you know help out the players to get picked up to try and move them along because really when you get down to it you almost feel like the pioneer league is in a uniquely powerful position i guess for players because they're more or less a younger league you know that u23 i suppose would be a fair way of putting it there's a lot of younger guys that if you're a major league club maybe you're more willing to take a risk on a guy with good Pioneer League numbers versus a guy with good Atlantic League numbers because the Atlantic League guy, you kind of assume, okay, he's going to step in double-A, triple-A right off the bat. You're not picking up a guy there to put him in, you know, like low-A or high-A. Well, I guess low-A doesn't exist anymore, but, you know, A-ball. You're not putting him there. Meanwhile, with the Pioneer League guy, you feel a bit more comfortable saying, hey, let's put him in high-A. Let's see what he could do for the rest of the year here. If he doesn't pan out, we'll just cut him. But if he does look good, then we can bump him up to double-A to start next year and see where we go. And if you get a guy that's like, you know, like 25, 26, been through your system a couple of years into triple-A, maybe they still have some value for you on the major league level. So it this definitely seems to help with that goal. I agree with the, the larger point there, just that the Pioneer League has done a, really since becoming an independent league, they've done a tremendous job in so many senses. 
truly it's been it's been commendable uh what what they what they have done uh they've made some really big strides uh yes continuing to to take steps forward and and you're right as far as that being a market for um that being a market for MLB teams because the guys are younger which is primarily more what they're looking for as opposed to a guy who uh, uh a guy who might be you know 29 to 31 or whatever that that range might be and you're trying to put them in uh double a triple a so it makes a lot of sense there is a market for it uh and the pioneer league is continuing to do a good job absolutely and so it'll be interesting to see where they kind of go from here because they have a lot of options open and the attendance is surprisingly strong out there too it's probably one of the stronger ones in independent league baseball so they clearly have a fan base to draw from maybe they'll do better in the flow sport numbers than the atlantic league guys are uh but overall uh, good to see and we'll continue things moving here by going to the american association not quite at the preview yet we're just getting through the news of it we'll get to that preview in just a few minutes but First off, they have uh, two major pieces of news out of there. The first is they've signed a partnership with Ticker. Uh, Ticker is a um, marketing or a ticketing platform, as you could probably guess. They are now the preferred primary ticketing partner of the American Association. Uh, that's just a fancy way of saying ticketers paying the money to, you know, be their official platform. I imagine teams will start to switch onto that, and they'll be encouraged to go and use that as opposed to say you know, like Eventbrite or something like that, another ticket platform there. Uh, and it just is kind of another one in the long series of deals that the American Association seems to find. They just seemingly have a partner for everything, although Pioneer League still probably has them beat with Frito-Lays. It's like the official league sponsors of Snacks or something like that. Remember that one? And yeah, uh, yeah so this isn't quite as obscure. It isn't also as bad as the uh, Pioneer League presented by Ticketing Smarter. Uh, so, yeah, it's just a kind of a thing that occurred. It was announced on the eve of the season. Figure we'll mention that real quick. I don't think there's really much to say about it, though. Yeah, not a whole lot. I mean, it's just another partnership that the American Association likes to do, and we're seeing more. We're seeing more of those. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think at the end of the day, it doesn't really impact the fans too much, but. Not a bad thing, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. If it helps the league generate revenue and helps the, you know, just keep the league going stronger and allows them to keep doing more and more, then, uh, you know, obviously it's a positive there. So uh, certainly something to watch for to see what will be the next thing that they uh, find a sponsor for. I personally think we're going to see an equipment sponsor. I don't know why. It just feels like the next natural uh, landing spot here. But uh, any event... Red Hawks news and the last piece of American Association news before we get into baseball talk for the week. Red Hawks are going to be retiring Doug uh, Simiuk's number 33 jersey. He was the club's manager for 22 years. He won over 1,200 games with the team with the team and won five championships as well. The ceremony will be on June 9th against the Chicago Dogs. Uh, another little bit on the resume. He only failed to make the postseason six times in his 22-year career in Fargo and only had three losing seasons. He also is only going to be one of now six. He'll be the sixth member uh, of the team or the, the organization's history to have their number retired. He absolutely, he absolutely deserves it. I mean, he's uh, certainly uh, with the, the amount of I mean, five championships. Wow. Yeah. Uh, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what level or, or anything else. I mean, if you can win five championships in anything that you do, uh, you're clearly doing something right. It's certainly a uh, manager that, that means a lot to the 
you know, the community of, of, of Fargo as well. So, and certainly lots of the organization as well. So that'll be a really cool night. That'll be, that'll be a really cool night. Uh, seeing, uh, the number of retired, uh, the number 33 retired permanently. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it's five championships in 22 years. So I mean, what is that about one every four years, one, one every five years? Really roughly? impressive. Yeah, exactly. Really that hard to do that and this like having a winning season 19 times is just like crazy impressive to me, including like a couple of uh, really long postseason streaks. I think there was a seven year streak and an eight year streak in there, too, which is just like mind-bogglingly impressive i understand you know leagues are smaller and if you have you know a 14 playoff and an 18 league it's a bit easier but even still to go and make the postseason all but six times and only have a losing season three that's the number that really jumps out at me i mean also the 1200 wins is great overall one of the best managers in i think independent league's history so definitely deserving mm-hmm. of that honor so it'll be uh good to see the red hawks honor a legend like that so on yeah, that, absolutely on that note, we have some Atlantic League talk before we get to the American Association preview. Uh, so, Atlantic League's had themselves a bit of a week. Couple- hey, can I kick this one off, Nick? Yeah, sure. Go for it. Okay. Uh, what the hell, Frederick? <laughs> you know, I was about to say, uh, so Frederick's in what we may call a free fall. Uh, they've been one of those teams which I can't tell if this is like they're struggling because their visa guys are not quite here yet, or if they're struggling because it's just not working out. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm baffled because even if, and i certainly the, the visa issue is something that should be, that should yeah. be talked about. Uh, and the good news is, is they can go, they, they can lose every single game in the first half. And it doesn't matter because you get a clean slate for the second half. Uh, right. That is true. That, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, however, 0-13 is legitimately baffling. I mean, the pitching has been so bad. Uh, oh, 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 oh. They are no longer winless. Oh, did they win? They have defeated the Lancaster Barnstormers to go 1-13 on the season, a 6-1 victory. They scored three in the first inning, one in the sixth, two in the seventh to get to that total. A mere uh, one run in the seventh broke up the shutout. David Kubiak gets the win. Oh, of course it's David Kubiak is the one who's able to finally right the ship. Uh, yeah. But yeah, the, it's been bad. Uh, it's been it's been really bad. I mean, now are they as? I mean, the offense has been bad. I mean, they're hitting two twenty as a team. Um, I mean. Pitching a 7.33 ERA as a team. I, that's before tonight's game. I'm sure that'll go yeah. down a little bit. Uh, but yeah, I mean, now granted, they're not Charleston, who's hitting 182 as a team. But uh, it's been really, uh, really rough so yeah. far. So far for Frederick. Uh, I mean, obviously, High Point Gastonia has been gr- have been great, and Lexington has uh, outperformed some expectations so far. Southern Maryland too, but uh, the the story, I think, I mean, Frederick being one in thirteen is quite baffling. But the good news is, it the, you get a clean slate, half number two. That that's true. I think at this point, just because that South Division is really the division of interest at the moment. Obviously, there's a fight in the North. You know, Long Island starting to get back together. Southern Maryland's kind of doing well so far. I mean, last week we kind of said, "All right, is this a mirage?" What's the deal here? They seem to be holding it together, at least for now. 
you know, I think still Frederick, despite getting the win tonight, you're 100% right. It's to lose 13 in a row. We were about, what, a week away from being in Gray's territory. So it's not great. Obviously, the half system is going to help them out a lot, like you mentioned. Uh, but I still think that their first half hope is extremely diminished to kind of done just a mere Zero. two weeks in. Just because it's just, it's going to be too much for them to make up between Gastonia and High Point. Those are two horses that are going back and forth. And even Lexington's still kind of there. I mean, to rule them out, it would be foolish. Because, I mean, what are they, two, three games back? They're still very much in this. So, you know, there's that there. Uh, overall, the South is really just where I want to focus it on. Frederick obviously has had their struggles. I don't think I need to rehash the same thing you said. Uh, but... High Point only having two losses on the year. Gastonia only with three. Lexington with only four. It's just an absolute mosh pit in that division. And I don't really know how that's going to wind up shaking out. Because I can very well see, you know, this being a situation like last year. Where we have a fight in the first half. And then it just kind of trends off in the second half. But at the same point in time, it's also, what, 10, 13 games into the season. We're barely really even into the first half. So is it hot? Is it not? But building yourself a, a large cushion to be above 500 definitely helps. But even with that, it's only a one and a half game lead High Point has. It's too early to make, I mean, say like who's the favorite and whatnot. Yeah. Certainly you, you look for, you look for a lot of those things. Uh, and you know, as far as ruling out teams, which I think it's pretty obvious at this point that Charleston and, uh, and Frederick will have to be trying for the second half, but uh, I mean, yeah, High Point, High Point, and Gastonia, and the South has been a, the South has really been the war zone that we expected it to be, uh, and that that it was last year, that it has been since, uh, really since uh, since post pandemic, honestly, yeah. uh, over over the last over the last two seasons prior, and so um, it it's, looks like it's going to turn out to that way again, but I, I think, and you almost look for and it's something that's always so important and doesn't get talked about. But when those, when there's two, there's two really good teams that are vying for it, uh, vying for that spot. When you're talking about high point and Gastonia, how they do against the bottom tier of the division in their matchups against them. And do they take care of business against teams like Charleston and, and Frederick becomes, re, becomes really, really, really important. And then a lot of times that ends up deciding division and deciding who gets into playoff spots. Mm. So, uh, but I mean, but overall, yeah, the Gastonian high point once again leading the way. Yeah. Would I be over exaggerating here just to talk about Lexington for a second to say that the rest of this month could really decide if Lexington's going to stay in this or not? Because to go just briefly over their schedule, they're in the middle of a series with Charleston right now. Then they play Frederick for three. They get a tough matchup against Gastonia. They have a three game set there. And the rest of the month is Charleston. In Staten Island, that's that's the rest of their uh, rest of their so May. A lot of winnable games on that schedule. Yeah, and so you flick it over to June real quick. Obviously, they have to finish the Charleston slate, but then they have Gastonia again, then Lancaster, then they go Southern Maryland, Staten Island, Frederick, High Point, Charleston again, Lancaster again. I mean, it, realistically, they probably have the best looking schedule here. I mean, it gets tougher in mm. June, but it's still not like impossibly tough. They seem to dodge a lot of really difficult opponents. 
Yeah, I mean, you'd think that that starts to even out in the second half of the season because, mm-hmm. of course, they they're not schedule makers don't really care that much about yeah even though obviously the half system they're not going to base it around that mm. uh but i think i, I think they got to take advantage of it because this is this is going to be the half where they can they can try and make a run or at the very least if they not if not win the division rack up enough wins to put yourself in a wild card spot uh or put yourself in, in a wild card hunt should that opportunity uh, become available by like, something happens in the North Division or whatever. So yeah, uh, yeah certainly games that they got to win now and they got to take uh, they they got to take care of uh, now to keep themselves in it. And hey, I mean, if they with a schedule like that, they could certainly compete for 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 first place. Yeah, because honestly, like just looking out at their whole like season at a glance here, the month that's going to give them trouble is August. Like until then. Yeah, you have an occasional series against Gastonia or Southern Maryland. I think there's one other or two other high point series in there. It's pretty smooth sailing. It's a lot of Lancaster. It's a lot of uh, of Stanton Island. It's a lot of Charleston. It's a lot of uh, Frederick. Those are games that are winnable. Obviously, Frederick, as the year goes on and as the visas start to get sorted out or, you know, they make a decision on it one way or the other will become much more of a influx situation here. But, I mean, one thing that's not influx is the fact that when you have to go Southern Maryland, Gastonia, and then have a potentially really difficult York series with High Point after, and then go from that to Gastonia, then back to High Point, then back to Southern Maryland, that's a really difficult, what, would it be 12, 15-game stretch in the middle of August? Like that's a, it starts to really look like this is the half they have to have. And obviously I don't want to like way overreact about, you know, two weeks into the season here, but it is important to look forward and go, where is it going to start to get difficult here? And if you're able to avoid Long Island, you're able to avoid a York team that's very quietly competing in the North, you know, guys like Nick Raquette have really done well. Alejandro Riviero has done really well for them. Guys that are just kind of flying under the radar are performing for York, so they're right in the middle of things here. So if you could avoid them, if you could avoid Long Island, if you could avoid Southern Maryland for the most part, you know, and you're able to avoid the two dogs in your division, you got to kind of take advantage of that while you have it there because, yeah, nothing's guaranteed in the second half. Staten Island could get raided, or that's not, Long Island could get raided, even though I think they added Alex Dickerson today. Uh... It could happen. There's teams that could lose guys, but you can't assume they're going to lose that many guys. You can't assume that they're going to fall off the map. So it just feels like Lexington's the kind of interesting team early on. Is it for real? Is it the benefit of a schedule? And does it really matter if you're able to kind of build up a lead and get in front of everybody? Yeah, I, I mean, it does matter. Uh, it, ab- it absolutely matters just because uh, at the end of the day, all these teams are going to play at least in at least in each division are going to play a pretty comparable schedule. I mean, when, how it stacks up and, and how, and who you play when, of course is different uh, based on each team. But I think that uh, Lexington deserves a lot of credit because early on, because, Hey, we thought their, I mean, we thought their roster was going to be bottom of the barrel and they have, they have, uh, they have certainly outperformed expectations so far, mm-hmm. uh, but they're, they're looking to take care of these, these wins now, um, and and try and just kind of stick themselves into the race, and I, I think they can do it, and it's it's really important that they do so now because it, it really does seem like the first half is the time for them to do it. 
It, it certainly does. Uh, any thoughts really on the North Division? I know I mentioned York and, you know, Long Island figuring it out. Southern Maryland, we were talking a little bit about last week. But any real thought on that? Well, I, I like uh, I like what I've seen from York. I think you mentioned, uh, as you mentioned, Nick, I think York has been, uh, they've, they've been solid early on. And I think that that's certainly... Um, that's certainly a good thing. I think Long Island's starting to starting to get it back a little bit. Uh, I think the biggest surprise to me uh, is the is when the way Southern Maryland's hit the ball. Uh, mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't expect them as much. Looking at the names in their lineup, I didn't ex- I didn't uh, see as much talent and specifically specifically hitting for power uh, the way that they have. They're third in the league in home runs right now. So I think that's going to be something to keep an eye on them. But hey, they're hitting on pretty well. They're getting on base at a 358 clip. I, I think this is a, a Southern Maryland team that, while I, I'm still in, intrigued, I guess, by the fact that, you know, it, in 104 innings, they only have 73 strikeouts. A lot of contact, again, could signal regression. But, mm-hmm. uh, but I think that there's, there's some good signs. I think specifically on that offense is the, what has uh, raised my eyebrows so far. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. They have been better than expected here. Uh, as far as power-wise, you mentioned that. Uh, I'm just, I'm still not entirely sold here. I look at like, you look at like runs, they're more middle of the pack here. You look at things like total bases, they're towards the bottom of it. So is it just more or less they're getting the timely hitting versus just all around hitting? I mean, they're, they're getting, they're finding different ways to get on base, I suppose, but I mean, they strike out a lot too. There's there's stuff to nitpick on them, but yeah, the the base hitting has been uh, has been definitely the upside for them, and they're also fourth in the league ERA wise. So pitching wise, they're not terrible here. Obviously, too, if you you kind of want to ignore high point, I think when you look at everything here, because they're coming in at less than two and a half for an ERA, and then the next closest is uh, is Lexington, who's barely under a four. So I mean they're they're much more in line with top of them. I feel like you kind of kind of just got to cut out the top and the bottom number because they're pretty far away from everybody else here. Yeah, I think cutting out out cutting out outliers is fair in that sense. But yeah. I, I high points just been crazy. I mean, it's been just... absolutely absurd so far. Yeah, it's just like they're they're right on top of just about everything that matters. You know, it's it's kind of crazy there. And also, I'm just looking at it now. Can we talk about Stanton Island for a second here? Their fielding's really screwing them over. 16 errors in, what, 13 games? Yeah, that won't play. That, that's, a, that's a problem. Like, yeah, there's a few other teams that are at 12 and 11. So, I mean, like, it's not terrible. High point, unsurprisingly, fewest errors in the league, only four. And I get it. You know, what's an error, what's not an error, subjective call, I get it. But regardless, I still... I'm just like, I feel like high point or not. I feel like Stan Island should be a bit better than what they are because they don't seem like that bad of a team. Like they're getting some offense, just not nearly enough. Yeah. I think that, I don't know. I think the defense, I think the defense is a huge part of it, to be yeah. honest with you. I, and I, I think it, it's honestly fair to say because uh, I mean, pitching wise, I think they, they haven't, they haven't been great, but then again, it's not just, um, you know, when you look at like a team ERA or whatever, it's not just unearned runs. It's about the, also the balls that are hits that they don't get to, yeah. uh, that, that are factored in, factored into something like that. But I mean, the offense so far has been, has been 
pretty brutal. Um, I mean, the thing is, though, I think if you take a closer look, it's not as bad as it seems. Like, what makes it, it seem... Is it, though? Nick, they have three home runs. I get it, but, like, if you look the at some of these season. games, like, like look at the May 11th game. That's a 10-9 loss. And you have, like, a 7-4 loss. You have a 10-5 loss. You have games in there where they're putting up runs. They have a 7-6 win over Long Island. They put up offense at times. It's just that when they have offense, they don't have pitching. But when they... And obviously, some games like the 13-0 loss, they had nothing. And that's kind of why they're where they are. But, like, I'm not convinced to say that they're a horrible team battle-wise. No, I don't think so like, either. It's just like, I, I'm just saying, like, I think it's more or less that they're not getting it in bunches like other teams have. They haven't had their one big blow-up performance on offense yet. So I think that kind of hurts them. Plus, I mean, I just, I'm not willing to say that this is a brutal offensive team. No, I, I'm not. I'm not willing to say that either. I'm not willing to make a. I mean, I'll, there's not many rash judgments that I'm that I'd yeah. be willing to make this this earlier in the season about anybody. Yeah. But I think certainly the Staten Island's offense, in any sense, can, have they earned the benefit of the doubt? Like in in the past, like they've I mean, never been fair, there. But I mean, they they've also turned over a lot of guys on this team. I mean, and like tonight, for example, it looks like they're about to lose three two if they haven't already. So, I mean, like, that's a good pitching performance. And frankly, 3-2 to Long Island, that's basically a quadruple-A team at this point, is not a terrible end result. It's not. I mean, again, it's early. Like, there, there's a lot of the a lot of our questions will be answered with True. just more games played. But, uh, but I mean, offensively, it hasn't been great so far. But, yeah, yeah they should, certainly could put it together. And it's not like the North Division is full of world beaters. Fair. Which can I just point out for a second here? This is what uh, Lang Highland rolled out tonight, pitching wise. They started with Stephen Tarpley. He got the win, six and a third innings. Then they went to Al Albuquerque to finish the inning. Then Jose Jose for uh, what I believe is the eighth, and then the ninth they went to Kevin Quackenbush. <laughs> that's not. That's really not fair. It really isn't. And then like you look at the other guys, like Boog Pal, Adeni Hechevaria, Daniel Murphy, Sam Travis, Alex Dickerson. Joe DiCarlo, Chance Cisco, Dustin Woodcock, Phil Caulfield was their lineup for tonight. Yeah, they're good. Yeah, like this is a major league. I don't want to call it a major league team, but this is a quadruple A team. They have what? One, two, three, four, five, six guys in that lineup there with major league experience, plus another two or three with major league experience that were pitching today. And like, the record doesn't show it, but they'll, it'll start to turn soon, I think. Yeah, like that's the thing. Like I joked the other day on online that like does long island ever stop signing people and like no it really isn't a joke like alex dickerson is like a huge coup of a get i feel like yeah i mean that's a guy who was hitting for power in the big leagues not too long ago like consistent power in the big leagues not too long ago so yeah i mean granted they'll always have higher turnover but no they don't they don't stop looking for guys on the market who they can they can convince to to buy into what they're preaching and they have the track record to back it up that players want to come play there. Yeah, it's just it it boggles my mind that they're able to keep doing this. And like I get it. It's just like at a certain point though, like when is it when do they stop being able to do this? Because it's just almost unfair at this point. Well I think a lot of that is gonna be is going to be answered as far as who gets picked up and who doesn't. So fair. Fair. I guess we'll see on that. I'm waiting for them to just like 
get one huge name. Like, I'm waiting for Gary Sanchez to be released from this minor league deal with the Mets, and then just to see four days later, Long Island Ducks sign Gary Sanchez. Could. Could happen. Like, when it, it would be, it would make a lot of sense. There's a lot of guys I could see them getting, but yeah. Overall, uh, the Atlantic League is starting to take shape. It's a lot, starting to get real interesting, and I think uh, would it be safe to say that this time next week, we're kind of going to get more of a shakeout here as we start to get towards yeah. the month mark. I would say so. I would say that there, you could start really drawing some conclusions at that point, I'd say. Okay. So we'll revisit the Atlantic League next week. We have uh, more leagues to talk about. We have a preview to get to. And being that we're a half an hour in, we might as well jump right into that preview now. It's the American Association preview. Frontier League is next week, like I mentioned in the beginning. Uh, we're going to kind of go through this the same way we more or less did uh, for the Atlantic League a couple weeks back. We're going to talk about the teams that look good offensively, teams that look good pitching-wise, teams that just kind of look stacked, and teams that kind of look to be less than stacked, kind of an empty deck, if you would. So uh, before we get into the actual team discussion, basic information just to go over real quick with the American Association, 100-game schedule as per usual, uh, same playoff structure will return, so four teams from each division, choose your opponent format returns as well. There's no half seasons in this league, which is always a positive to see. And while some people may be going, but look at Frederick, that's why you want halves. I would turn around and say, look at Cleburne last year. That was just absolutely atrocious for the first 30, 40 games of the season. And then just got incredibly hot and put on a hell of a performance in the uh, postseason too. You could still make it work in a non-half setup here. Season started May 11th. It was ending September the 4th. There's an all-star game scheduled for July 16th through 17th. Location is going to be announced this upcoming week. So the week you're listening to this, the location should be announced. That is at least according to the commissioner of the league, Josh Schaub, who mentioned that on the Sioux Falls Canary broadcast uh, a couple days ago. So that is something of note there. Uh, as far as new rules go, pitch clocks in, same setup as Major League Baseball. That's pretty much uniform across all the partner leagues, across pretty much every baseball league now. If Major League Baseball does something, it's going to trickle down. Uh, Broadcast-wise, uh, we're going to see more Repsoto data integrated. Uniform graphics are across every broadcast now. There's going to be some over the air. So if you have an antenna, you can pick up some of these games, Facebook and YouTube streams, as well as some Twitch streams of games as well. And of course, you could just find every game on AABaseball.tv, which had a little bit of a rocky launch to the year, but has since recovered. Uh, with that said, before we get to the 2022 review, any notes on anything there? Um, the only thing I guess I would I, I would add is it's going to be I mean not that we don't know what the result will be ultimately but the the first time a uh, pitch clock is getting being put into an independently game with uh, with the American Association games that have happened so I think that that's certainly a point to bring up as well so uh, that that'll that'll be a landmark thing that I'm sure will be added other places as well. I think all I have to add, I think similar, very similar to, to last year in a lot of senses. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's that's the thing. They change a little bit, but never all that much, which I just want to point out. Here is the times for the three games yesterday. The first game was the quickest. It was the Sioux Falls and uh, Cleburne game, 7-2 final. Two hours and six minutes to get through that game. That's a fast yep. game. That's what you want. Yeah. And then Winnipeg was a two and a half hour game, two hours and 36 minutes and a 6-1 final. 
And then Fargo, Moorhead, and Kane County was an 8-6 game. That was 3 hours and 14 minutes, but that went to extra innings. That was solved in the 10th. So overall, nothing too bad there. As far as tonight's action goes, before we get into the preview, because now I'm on the screen, so I might as well use it. Two games are postponed due to weather. And uh, currently, Cleburne is beating Sioux Falls over the head 17-5. Milwaukee's beating Lake Country over the head 15-4. And it looks like we have a decent game in Lincoln. Or, well, it's in Chicago, but Lincoln's playing Chicago 5-3. They lead currently. So, one good game on the docket. None of that's going to matter by the time you listen to it because those games will be done. But it's good to see that expectations are being met so far early on. Uh, you, do you mean do you think that Milwaukee is going to be better than Lake Country? Well, I don't want to give too much away before we get to talking about Lake Country. But when I was filling out this app pack for them about oh an hour or so ago, I was putting all everybody in. I said, you know what? I know a lot of these names. And the reason I know a lot of these names is most of these guys are horribly mid. And last year we said someone needs to come save Wyatt Ulrich from Sioux Falls because he's wasting his talent there. This year I feel like I'm going to be saying someone has to come get Tyler Pike from Lake Country. He's wasting his talent here. I think it's, yeah, I think I think you could definitely uh, definitely see that. It's, 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 uh, especially as an arm, you know. Yeah, uh, that so many so many teams could use, and Pike's got great stuff. He really does. Uh, so yeah, but not not to give away too much, but you get the idea. Exactly. Yeah. So it's uh going to be interesting. Which also congrats to Sioux Falls for finally being above a hundred for like twenty four hours. With their win yesterday, I mean Thursday opening day was the first time they had a winning record since June of two thousand and twenty one. Congrats to them. Yeah. So that was nice while it lasted. It's not going to last anymore. I don't see them picking up 13 runs in two innings, but who knows? Maybe it'll happen. And with that, we're going to go back a little bit in time. Just quickly go over 2022 before we get into 2023. Uh, Playoff teams from last year, Kansas City, Fargo, Winnipeg, Lincoln, Chicago, Kane County, Milwaukee, Cleburne. Doesn't really matter what led up to it, although Kansas City, Fargo series was everything we hoped it would be. It was fantastic. Didn't think it could get better, but then uh, Milwaukee one-upped it. That Milwaukee series where it was Fargo versus Milwaukee was, I think, everything you could possibly ask for in a baseball series. Five games. Game five went to extra innings. It was back and forth. There was action, but the action and the offense wasn't a result of poor pitching like Will saw today. It was actually a result of good hitting. And it was back and forth the whole way. Finished with a walk-off. The Red Hawks won their uh, first championship in 12 years. I believe it's their sixth in franchise history. First in the American Association. And that's really the important details from last season. It was really a great year for the American Association last year in so many ways. And uh, just the way that those that those playoff series turned out, I think speaks volumes as to specifically with the top of the league, how even a lot of those teams were. I mean, Kansas city Fargo was awesome. Milwaukee uh, getting there after, you know, getting called out by Chicago and beating them in the first round. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was, that that was definitely one of the things I'll I'll remember the most, but of course, I mean, the the classic game between Milwaukee and and Fargo in the American association championship uh, that, that sealed it just, what a great cap to the season. And those those two teams have been consistently good for a while. They'll be back. I mean, yeah, they they can they continue to just be to be great and 
and hoping we could have a year specifically come October in the postseason where it is just as exciting as it was last year. Absolutely. I mean, like, honestly, sometimes I think about going back and watching that game five because it was just so much fun to watch, not knowing what was going to happen. One side would take a big lead and you're like, oh, that's it. Then it would come back, flip the other way. It really was great. And even the Cleburne uh, King County series was good. Cleburne stayed hot and they beat a very good Cougar team. Now, of course, they kind of ran to Milwaukee and Milwaukee was saying, we're not having this. We're going on. And I mean, it really was a great year. And I don't know if that's from pick your opponent or if it's just from, you know, having good baseball teams playing against each other and getting lucky with how it shook out. But either way, it was definitely something enjoyable to watch. And with that, uh, I suppose we look forward to 23. And there's a couple teams here that when I look at them, you know, I say this is a team that is a very well-rounded team. And a lot of them are the ones we just mentioned and that is a team like a Fargo, like a Milwaukee, I, I immediately say these are teams that really can do a little bit of everything. It's just, I feel like they're kind of above and beyond a little bit in the sense of I like their depth more than I like the depth on other teams. Like, like for example, Kansas City. That's a team that I think is a, a good example of. I like some of their high end, but it feels like they got worse because their depth just isn't there as it was in past years. And I think, of course, because uh, it's also important to mention that at the beginning of the year, you're going to have teams that are that are going to be different uh, by the end of the year. But I, I don't think, for example, like like a Kansas City, I think there's some I think there's some there's some names on here that I really like. Mm. Uh, and for example, like a guy like like Brandon Finnegan was a guy it was a it used to be a big time prospect. Well, it'll be interesting to see how he does. But I, I think. I think your point's well taken uh, as far as Kansas City. You know, granted, they've been so good. Uh, yeah. they, they've been so good. It's so hard to you know continue to build on that and continue to, to improve each and every year. But I, I think it's fair to say that they, at least roster-wise, they, 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 got, a li- they got a little bit worse. Uh, I will say, uh, as far as Kansas City, the fact that they pulled in Keon Broxton, yeah, uh, I think is a, a mammoth signing. Uh, I mean, I don't even know why Keon. Uh, we'll see how long he's here. Uh, but I mean, Broxton, he was a very good player in Milwaukee, shredded in Mexico. I mean, he's is, he is really a dude. Their depth, I think, is not totally on the on the mark of like a, a Milwaukee or a Fargo Moorhead, but I mean, they'll be right up there. They, they'll be right up there, and when it all comes down to postseason you never know yeah like and i also i get like just because you're listed as an outfielder doesn't mean you're only an outfielder but even still to only have like four natural infielders it is kind of weird like lj hatch i i like him i think he's good he did decent in triple a obviously uh justin wiley tore up the frontier league with the jackals last year a guy that i was kind of surprised at least that didn't get moved. I thought that that may have been something of interest. But yeah, I'm interested to see how he does. Uh, Gio Brucia was pretty decent for Lake Country last year. I mean, he, there's only so much there. So it, it's interesting there. Chris Herman could be something of note. But yeah, it just doesn't like pop off at me in the same way past years did. And also the lack of a Darnell Sweeney on this roster is kind of noticeable yeah. to me. It is. It, it is. And uh, now granted... The the roster roster could absolutely change 
come come the end of the year. But I, I'd, I'd probably agree that it doesn't have the, the wow and the star power that I think we've been. I'm not even going to say accustomed to. I think the right word is like spoiled a yeah. little bit with uh, with how amazing these rosters have been uh, with with Kansas City. So I, I think that's something. I think it's something to watch out for. Certainly, we'll watch out to see. Uh, what kind of what kind of additions they make as the season gets underway? But I mean, th- this roster is is good enough to to be in the mix for a championship. It's oh, just yeah. a matter of I don't know if they're going to be running circles around the competition the way they have in previous years, at least at the moment. Yeah, like I still think they're probably a top three or top four roster here. It's just I feel like, uh, and just to go over, I guess the rest of like the real big dogs, the guys that are really well rounded. Fargo seems to just be kind of picking up where they left off at. You know, Silviano's back. Uh, Dylan Thomas, a guy with major league experiences in Alex Olud, he did pretty solid there in some split time. I like him. Carell Prime's back again. You know, Leo Pena's always here. Nick Novak was a solid player. He came through with some clutch hits. I like him. I like Dexter. Boskin plus uh, BJ Lopez is a really nice one-two behind the plate. So I like the depth overall there. I think it's pretty good. And also, Lavorsky isn't bad either. You know, he he, he was solid enough. But when you look at the pitching is really where it's like, okay, I like the pitching. Grower's solid. I really like Grower. I really like McGovern. They both, you know, I've shown plenty over time. Davis Feldman, maybe a little bit more of a bounce back candidate. I still like him a decent bit. Uh, Overall, bullpen wise, they return some familiar guys. They also bring in other guys that have been around the association for a bit. And overall, I just like a lot of the talent they have on this roster as a whole there in Fargo and on the flip side in Milwaukee, they kind of did the same thing. Like they bolstered up. They have Roy Morales uh, behind the plate who did very well in the twins in the twin system last year. Numbers wise, they all look great. They return, you know, some big hitters, uh, Torres and Gomez being the two that meet, they come to mind. Aaron Hill was also a great player for them too. They get Pruitt Jr. from Winnipeg and uh, a guy like Drew Ward is here as well, who is just an absolute cannon of a man at the dish. He's a monster. Yeah, he's, he's just fantastic in that regard. And pitching-wise, well, I don't see too many guys that kind of immediately jump off the page at me. There's no one I look and go, hmm, I'm concerned about this area. I just look, I'm like, that's a pretty solid bullpen. And rotation-wise, I'm like, you know what? I feel kind of okay with like Zimmerman Young kind of in the middle of the back half of that. You assume AJ Jones is going to be part of that rotation. Fuentes, you'd assume, would be part of that rotation. It feels, you know, pretty solid overall. And plus, you look at the inactives and you still have a guy like Peyton Gray, who's on the injured list, who we all know what he can do when he comes back. He gets healthy. He's going to be a key contributor in the bullpen. Rodrigo Benoit is a guy that's on the inactive list alongside Michael Krause. Those are two guys that if you can get him in the lineup, the bullpen now looks extremely impressive. And Michael Krause really adds an extra bat and an extra really good glove in that outfield as well. So if you could go ahead and run a bullpen of like Nate Hadley, Rodrigo Benoit, and, you know, Peyton Gray, that's a really solid one, two, three. And that's not even getting to some of the other guys like, say, Kyle Mora, who's going to be a solid guy there. A guy like Gregory Vasquez, who last got picked up out of Gary into the Orioles system. So there's a lot of really talented guys here from a pitching perspective. It's just a matter of how they're going to deploy them. But I feel like those two rosters kind of stand above everybody else, at the very least, in their own divisions. Certainly in their own divisions. Uh, I would say that 
it's in, in particular, like I look at a guy like Vasquez uh, and how good he was. I mean, even when he got picked up by, by, the, by the Orioles, the, the strikeouts don't pop off, the, don't jump off the page, which I know maybe you could, if you're looking at a, why, why is he not back with an affiliated team? That could be, that could be a big reason. But yeah, I mean the bullpen is is really strong. It has been for 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 quite a while. That's been a trademark uh, of these Anthony uh, of the of these teams. I think you're looking for a team that again is is going to be right back in the in the thick of things. I think for even like you'd think like Fuentes would probably be in the rotations. Fuentes yeah. definitely has to get the walks down a little bit. Uh, but but yeah, I think this is going to be a team that's going to be really good. Uh, back in the back in the mix again uh but yeah for like for example like we've what can we what else can you say about a guy like drew ward uh in in your lineup and and aaron hill who's uh aaron hill who's himself he really is i mean he's a guy he's 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 gonna get on base at a a 390 400 clip and that is so valuable at the top of any lineup so um yeah i just think a team that uh, is gonna be when you look at the two rosters that are that are head and shoulders above the rest, I think at the moment on paper, games aren't played on paper, no. but I think you're looking Milwaukee and Fargo more head uh, at the top. Yeah, I mean, already they've kind of shown that they are that kind of a team, especially in the case of Milwaukee, which, I mean, they put up, what, a 15th spot last time we checked on, yeah. uh, on Lake Country tonight. So, I mean, is that Lake Country or is that Milwaukee? Is it just one game, which it probably is, but even still overall, it's just... Really selling. And guys, we didn't even mention that bullpen. A guy like Hansel Rodriguez, who did very well with New Jersey last year. And a guy like Frankie Barta, who Anthony Barone seemed to trust a lot, especially in the playoffs. He got a lot of work done there. And then there's just a bunch of other like real workhorse kind of guys here. So it just seems so deep. And, you know, talking about how good of a bullpen that is, it kind of lets you get off a little bit on having a weaker rotation. If you could say, hey, you know bullpen take care of this obviously it's played a little bit different you don't want to stress out arms and everything I, I get all that but if you have like six or seven guys in your bullpen where you're like yeah I feel confident about them you feel a little bit better saying okay we can kind of whack off on the marathon guys here because we have a lot of really good sprinters yeah for sure I mean it when you're asked when it again you make a good point Nick that have starters going four innings on purpose just because it's a long season. Uh, however, I, I do think though that uh, when you're when you're asking starters to instead of a, a place like I don't know like Lake Country, like what like Pike is going to be asked to do, Lake yeah. Country, where you're going to need it to get us into the seventh inning, mm-hmm. right? And when you don't have that pressure, you're you can show a little bit, you can show more of your uh, your, your repertoire early allows you to be a little bit more effective than you would otherwise. When you know you have that bullpen uh, behind you, it gives you, I guess, more more of a margin for error and to be a little bit more aggressive than you might than than uh, than you might be otherwise. So I, I definitely think it, it, it's a big advantage. And even if the starting rotation isn't lights out, and you know, you can you can they can also look to add in that department too as the year goes on. Absolutely, there. And I mean, it just feels like we have you know. Those three teams we mentioned, they're just like a cut above everybody else. And it's not even like everybody else is like a bad team. It's just they don't have that same kind of workhorse. And so like for me, for example, there's a couple of teams I look at and I'm just like, it feels like they fell off hard from last year, at least 
again, on paper, everything at this stage is on paper, but you know, like I look at Winnipeg and I look at Chicago, especially, and these are two teams where like, I feel like this is just so underwhelming on paper. Although I will say if you're a real indie ball, indie ball guy, I know where Chicago you're going with this. is such your I know team. Where you're going with this. Yeah. Like, I mean, you look at this name, you look at the list of names here and it's like Ryan Lidge, Josh Altman, Matt Botcher, Braxton Davidson, Luke Mangiari, uh, Jesus Lejano, Brennan Metzger. I mean, like these are some indie ball guys, uh, Ryan O'Reilly for all you, uh, Evansville Otter fans to really keep adding on to these frontier league guys. I mean, who else we got here? James Reeves, I suppose, uh, Jake Dahlberg. He was double a last year i think like high of the year before but he really balled out for chicago too there's just like so many guys here jonathan trip another one you know guys that are really like indie ball indie ball and it's like on one hand i really want to see these kind of guys succeed because this is definitely the kind of team where i'd love to see them succeed but just they don't have that guy on paper maybe it's braxton davidson maybe maybe it's uh josh altman cutting back to more of his you know 2021 versus 2022 form uh but like they're they just seem a little underwhelming on paper and then i look over at winnipeg and i just think like max murphy's gonna have to do an awful lot of work man because like there's a lot of guys here that I look at and I say, you know what? I wouldn't mind having them as like the first or second guy off the bench, the kind of guy that I play 35 to 45 times a season, maybe even like 50, 54 times a season. You know, a platoon guy to, you know, your regular from when guys have to rest. But like to have them as like 85, 95 game starters, that's a, that's a tough sell. I will say the pitching looks a little bit better because I like Habeck. I like... uh uh, Barasa, I like Jarden, I like Op, I like Seabrook. There's guys I like, I don't love, but yeah, like these two are just two teams that were like solid playoff teams last year that I just feel like kind of fell off the cliff. I think, well, first of all, yeah. Nick, if there is one thing that we have learned yeah. about, I mean, how many American Association previews have we done at this point? Like, Probably three or four. Three or four, yeah. Yeah, about that. We seem to doubt the Chicago Dogs every year, don't we? Chicago and Winnipeg, yeah, they're normally the two that we're like either really hyping up or really down on, yeah. Well, Win- Winnipeg's the one I historically like hype up to the max, and Chicago's yeah. the one we're historically down on, and then they're like, watch this. Yeah. So, uh, so I with I fully fully acknowledge that. So I'll uh, hold off on you know major. Uh, major proclamations however i think the depth of winnipeg that i in the past have been uh, a really big fan of uh i don't see you in an, in their first you know first edition of the non-rick forney team mm-hmm. i i think as far as chicago the, the i agree that there's not a lot of star power what i would would counter with is could you then make the case that it's a uh, it could be a better thing because there's a there's a less of a chance for for you know a lot of turnover. That's an interesting point and one I got to be honest I didn't really think of. And I think maybe, but at the same time I think you also need like one or two guys that can kind of go out and win you a game. And like I definitely think there are guys with that potential here. You know, like a Nick Heath and Josh Altman are two guys that kind of jump off here. Braxton Davidson's never been a guy to really hit for average, but he has a lot of power. So, like, 
maybe that's him. But, like, I still feel like you need that one piece. Like, every other team we've talked about here. Like, we're going to mention Sioux Falls at some point and Darnell Sweeney's that guy, even White Ulrich to an extent. You know, with yeah. Fargo, we mentioned, you know, a bunch of guys, Milwaukee, Drew Ward, and even Brian Torres to a certain extent. You know, those are guys that was like, oh, yeah, they could definitely go ahead and, and do some damage. Kansas City has Keon Broxton, Jan Hernandez. You know, even Justin Wiley's kind of a wild card type of guy. I suppose he's a Wiley card if you want to make a pun. Uh, but, yeah, like all these great teams have like one or two guys where it's like, okay, they're basically a 300 hitter or they have a guy that's like a 20 home run guy. They have one guy that you go, yeah. He's going to do the damage. When we need a guy up at the plate, he's him. And with Chicago, who's the guy that you're like, I want him up. We need. We have a runner on second. There's two away, and we need one run to tie this game. Who's the guy you go, I want him at the plate? No one. Like no Ryan, one for sure, but... Like Ryan Lidge? Yeah. I, I think Lidge would be Lidge is probably the best guy in that, but I, I wonder about a guy like Braxton Davidson in a very hitter friendly ballpark like that. That's with fair. a guy who's hit who's hit for power. I wonder if that if if that starts if maybe that because he like I think of a guy like Casey Hobson who has had who who had success there in the past. Hmm. Is Davidson not a similar player? I mean he uh, that he's, he walks a ton. Uh, you know, kind of gets the ball in the air in a very hitter-friendly ballpark. I think there could be he could turn into something. But I know what you mean, though that yeah. there's that there's no one that really jumps out at you. I mean, Lidge specifically. I mean, I mean Altman's Altman's good. Yeah. I think I think Altman's. It's just a matter of which Altman are you getting, and, yeah. and I think you, you made a good point with that. Uh, but I think the, the, there's definitely a lot of, uh, of of good indie ball indie ball names on here. I mean, even like even a guy like Jonathan Cheshire, yeah, uh, who's a good, a good. Uh, he's a subby, right? Yeah, he's yeah. a he's a submarine reliever. So yeah. uh, I think there there's a lot of guys. That, there's some guys that I'm in. Tr- I, I I'm not totally down on Chicago. I think they can. I, I think they can hang around. Are they on a Milwaukee level roster wise, of course not. Yeah, but I I, I think that I do see some talent here. Yeah, I mean, I think they benefit because I'm really down on Gary and I'm really down on Lake Country when I look at these teams. So four got to make it. They feel like a four or a three. So, you know, there's that. I do question the pitching a bit. Like, Shearshire, I like. Dahlberg, I think, is going to have to be the ace of this staff, but I, he's proven he can do it before. O'Reilly seems like the next best starter. And after that, it feels like a drop-off. <laughs> Yeah, it does. Uh, I, I think that the depth is certainly uh, is certainly a concern. Um, like like a guy like you know you'd like to think a guy like Dahlberg. I mean Dahlberg probably is what he is at this point as yeah. like a solid like mid rotation guy. Hmm. Uh, so yeah, I think the the rotation isn't ideal, but I think there's some decent arms, uh, decent arms in the bullpen. Like I, I think this is a team that right now I look at and. I think if I were to like peg them at something, like I'm looking like 
four to five games above maybe yeah. five, 500 is, was where I'd, where I would look at it. But that's, and that's if a lot of those pieces start to fall into place on the offensive end, even without like a big bat and like a really big star. So I, I don't know. I think they're, they're one of the more intriguing ones for me though. Mm. They almost feel like a boulders of the East kind of result kind of thing. Remember where like for four or five years in a row, Rockland could consistently be counted on to finish three to five games below 500. Remember that stretch of time? It feels kind of like that, right? Where it's like, there's a lot that could go right. There's a lot that could go wrong. And if you just get like an average break on both, you're probably like a couple, you're within 500 by a couple games, which isn't. You like the playoffs Yeah, the American Association. Exactly. It's different in the Frontier League where it's like, okay, three of you are making it. So like 10 of you are not. Have fun. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess six technically because three from each side, but even still, it it's a lot more of a fight there. But yeah, e- either way, Chicago seems to be an interesting team. But ever since you said Braxton Davidson hitter friendly ballpark, the immediate thing that came to my mind was, I want to see what his his split's gonna be at Sioux Falls because he could really kill the bird cage. Is the is the bird cage a notorious like? They're not. Ballpark? It's not good to be a pitcher at the bird cage. Okay. Yeah, yeah, cause hold on, I gotta, I gotta pull up the actual uh, split on it. But yeah, like if you look at the guys that return from Sioux Falls, there's a reason why their pitching staff is never really great. Yeah, that's fair. So I mean, there's I a mean, reason for that. There's some, there's some. I mean, actually, I mean, if you want to get into Sioux Falls now, I think yeah, sure. Uh, the the I, I agree. The pitching is uh, uh, how do I say this? Uninspiring. Yeah. Uh, I think the offense kind of bangs a little bit, though. Yeah. Uh, I think I, I mean, s- certainly Wyatt Ulrich, Jabari Henry are the, are the, the two guys, I think, that, that stick out. But I got a guy like Wellington Dotel, who's like an indie ball, oh, yeah. indie ball lifer. I mean, I can't believe Wellington Dotel is still playing, first of all. Darnell Sweeney is, is the big one as well. Yeah. I, I think that, I think this lineup can score. I think they're a team that's going to be improved from last year, but, uh, but as, as is always the case with, uh, with a team like this. The pitching, yeah. Yeah. The, pit, the pitching's Akeem Bostic and possibly Ty Colbreth. That's what the pitching is. I mean, like, let's get that. DJ Sharabi, maybe something, possibly. Uh, he needs to bounce back, obviously. But, you know, there's that. Charlie Hasty is also interesting to me. But, yeah, I mean, like, it, it's really a, two men really holding down the fort here, <laughs> pitching-wise. Uh, but yeah, I, I honestly put Sioux Falls as kind of the surprise team for me. Like, I wouldn't be shocked to see them challenging for a playoff spot. Obviously, the division could be a bit challenging for that. I think that bottom spot is kind of interesting. Fargo and Kansas City, they have two spots already locked up. Just book that now. Lincoln is a team that I feel like kind of could fit the same role. A very interesting team, a one-sided kind of team. Uh, Sioux City... Kind of the same thing, although they are another team that's not overly inspiring to me. Although I do like a guy like, say, Jake Sanford, who did very well in Ottawa last year. Um, and then there's some pitchers that I really like, especially in the bullpen guys like Kent Hasler, Nate Gherkin. You know, those guys, uh, they're, they're solid players. Uh, but yeah, Sioux Falls, they have enough here where it's like, I, I wouldn't be shocked. Because like, if you told me Wyatt Ulrich is good again, not shocked. Jabari Henry and Wellington Dotel and Hunter Clandon and Darnell Sweeney is like the four main guys going between outfield and DH pretty much between all of them. 
they all do very well either batting for high average or putting up power numbers again i'd be like okay that sounds about right and mike hart comes back he's a solid fielder and i mean he can definitely hit for power i mean slugged over 600 and had 19 home runs and 62 games last year so that's definitely some indication there infield a bit more sketchy i mean trevor hockenbach is not terrible i like him but i always feel like what he does could either be really really strong or just kind of disappear everything else in the infield again assuming mike hart's your first baseman is you know kind of so so i know ulrich was a center fielder last game so maybe that's a thing and only having one natural catcher on the roster whose highest level or at least last year level was the pioneer league is a little kind of unsettling but hey you know rich looked decent so you know i i definitely could see this as a surprise team i think uh yeah i think that i think they will definitely be better than they were than they, than they were last year as far as it, and a team that could uh, that could contend for a plus spot. You're right. The division stuff. Yeah. Uh, so, and that's, that's certainly worth, uh, worth talking about. And it always is with the pitching is always the question with them, but I do think there's a lot, I think there's more talent in this lineup than I think that they've had in quite a while, mm. which is, is worth noting. Yeah, so, it, it definitely uh, is then, a return. I, I should say just to kick off, but I, it is a return to more of a quality Sioux Falls team that we haven't seen in a while, as seen by they were never above 500 last year. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think that, I think last year, I mean, because how, 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 how many games did they finish under last year? Like a lot, right? Yeah, it wasn't good. I, I don't know the exact number. I could find that real quick here, which yeah. also, by the way, I uh, looked up the, the dimensions there for for the birdcage. The mm. deepest part of the ballpark is center, and that's 410. Everything else is 313 and 312. On down the lines? Yeah. Oof. Wow. Yeah. You see what I mean? I'll like, like, Braxton Davidson, that ballpark, I think could be real fun to watch. Yeah, if you wanted to watch Barry Henry never left, never leaves that ballpark. Well, <laughs> there you go. Why. Yeah. Uh, so, fun fact, actually, Sioux Falls was the worst team in the association last year. Uh, oh, well. they, they just beat out Lake Country by a game. Uh, they finished 33 and 67. That's rough. Yeah, so 34 games under 500. Not good. Not, not good. Uh, 32 games out of first place, in case you're wondering. Uh, the so I, do, I, I, do, I really think they'll be better. They have to be better. better yeah, they won't be the worst team in the league. I feel like that's fairly safe to say. As that's going to come around to bite me in the ass. But, you know, I don't feel like they're going to be the worst. I feel like there's a lot of other teams there. But uh, before we mention some of the worst teams here, I just want to kind of clean up some of like, the mid-tier guys, like the rest of these guys, which could be very much like surprisers. You know, like teams where... If they made the playoffs, I wouldn't be shocked. And they're really good. I also wouldn't be, but I don't expect them to be. Like, is it fair to call Lincoln that? Because I feel like there's enough guys here where I'm like, I know you. I think you have something left in you or in your tank that you haven't shown me yet. But I just don't know for certain. Like, is Lincoln one of those teams? I think Lincoln for me is a lot of a, a just I don't really know. Uh, there's, you know, there's certainly guys that, uh, that, for Lincoln, not to mention, like, you're, you'll keep waiting for them to take the next step. I will say about Lincoln, I think there's a lot of arms that I really like here. Yeah. 
Uh, and in particular, I, I look at a guy like Josh Roeder, okay. uh, uh, a guy 379 ERA split between Mexico and the Atlantic League last year. Uh, he and I mean, to any any pitcher that can pitch in Mexico, uh, you have my respect. Yeah. For 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 the record, so uh, I think that's that's certainly good. I think we know uh, we, we know certain guys like Matt Cronin will will be there. Uh, and a guy who had a great year last year uh, in the American Association with an ERA just under two. Uh, so, and, and they have they just have a lot of solid guys. I think it, now will they score enough runs? I don't know. Yeah. I, they're gonna need they're gonna need a big year from a guy like Will Kenger, uh for sure. Yeah. Um, but uh, so I'm a little bit worried about the lineup, but I think the pitching is good enough to carry them into the playoffs this year. I really do. Yeah, I mean, like, even Nick Anderson could be a decent player there. Connor Panis, I want to see how he kind of transitions over. At this point, I kind of view Nate Sampson as Vince Carter, you know, where, like, his height was really something else, and now he's just kind of, like, he's hanging around. He's a solid ball player still. He's going to contribute, but I wouldn't expect him to be a key part here. I mean, like, he hit 240 in 71 games. He didn't really put up much in the way of power, but he still has some value onto a team. So it's kind of like that. I will say... Uh, and this is a common thing across the league because I understand it's kind of hard to find, but the catching situation again concerns me. Like we have a small sample size from Roskem that was good in the in the association last year, and then a collegiate guy who looked decent, yeah, but no. you know it's still a collegiate catcher. Mm, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. So like, uh, no. yeah, they're they're one of those teams there. Another team is like a Sioux City, I suppose, because I mentioned them earlier. I like the pitching staff there. You know, Maduro solid. Uh, Hasler's good. Gherkin's good. There's guys here that I don't dislike. Even like a guy like Brocher, I think has more there. Solomon Bates, I think, is a solid enough guy. There's guys here that I do like, but pitching wise or batting wise, rather, my mistake. I don't see a lot here. Chase Harris is fantastic in the field. He should once again be defensive player of the year. I mean, the, that's basically his award at this point. But, you know, there's just not a lot else here. I mean, you got a guy whose best experience is playing in Cuba. like, And I kind of think he's going to be a, a non-insignificant part of this team, too. Yeah, especially a guy for a hit who, you know, looks like a guy who's not going to hit for a ton of power. Yeah. Uh, which is, I guess, an interesting profile for first base. Yeah. But uh, a guy who can a guy who can get on base, I think, uh, a guy like Daniel Perez, the, the guy we're talking about from, from Cuba, yeah. I, I think that's certainly a really a really interesting point because, I mean, hey, he had more walks than strikeouts, 46 walks to 34 strikeouts. Um, that's really that's really going to play. And, and a talented league in, in Cuba, I think, should translate uh, should translate well here. Uh, I don't know if I love, I think the, the, the corner infield spots, I'm a little worried about outside of that. Uh, and you're right. I think about the offense is that it's interesting. Jake Sanford certainly is, is, uh, seeing how he makes the jump from the frontier league to the American association, American association. I think that is a big part of what this team's going to ride on, uh, in their, uh, in their lineup. Uh, it's funny they have a guy with a guy named Eric Perez, and yeah. uh, that's also the name of a Marlins prospect who was uh, phenomenal and made his major league debut today. Not that Eric Perez uh, we're yeah. talking about at the moment, but I think I think Sanford's going to have to be uh, a big part. And 
if he doesn't, and if maybe the power doesn't translate over to the American Association, then I think this lineup is is in bigger trouble. But they're going to need him to, uh, I think, shoulder a decent amount of the load in that sense. Yeah, definitely. It just it's it feels like him. Uh, Fernandez is another guy where I'm interested to see to decent at AAA. So I feel like he can transition over here is pretty solid, but. Yeah, Sanford, Fernandez, and, and Harris is a decent outfield. Just everything else, I just I don't really know. I mean, it kind of the same deal over in Cleburne too. Where it's like there's pieces I like pitching wise. Which can we just say Kevin Hilton, Austin Fairchild, and the argument behind why wins as a pitcher stat mean nothing? Yeah, like you, Fairchild's clearly the better guy, even though I mean he really wasn't a starter, so not exactly a fair one for one, but. 10 and 3 with a 547 ERA kind of tells you what you need to know. Uh, but overall, like I do like elements of the Cleveland team. I definitely think there's something there. Michael Marriott's also a solid addition too. Um, I don't think they have... I don't know. They do have some inactives. Uh, Edwin Arroyo is the guy where I really look at everyone else there. It's kind of so-so. Uh, but overall, it's just a lot of like wishing and hoping on this kind of a team. I feel like Elmer Reyes is solid. Jose Sermo's done well in the association before. We don't even really need to mention that. Uh, Delano DeShields, obviously, is a, is probably the largest name here. And Hill Alexander's solid as well as Zach Narrier. There's pieces here I like. It's just as a team, as a collective, I don't really know about. But I feel like in their division, they feel like a safe playoff team. I just don't know how far in the playoffs. Yeah, I think they're they're definitely a clear tier below. Uh, however, I, I do think even a guy like Jose Sarmo, uh, uh, of course, is a guy you can never count out in, in any sort of indie ball sense. The lineup to Shields, though, I mean, his his speed is going to. Uh, uh, I'm really interested to see his speed in an in an indie ball setting. I know he's getting up there in age, but I mean, hey, he can still run. Uh, yeah. he, he, you know that he he can still run and be a, a big threat. Uh, be a big threat on the bases. Uh, one of the uh, one of the rookies, Ryan Hernandez, I think a University of Houston product as well, yeah. uh, from 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 a year ago. So uh, he's a little bit interesting too. I, I I will say I think I was noticing a trend as well that the the catchers are starting to get a little bit younger across the league, or especially if you're mm. not in the the top the the top uh, guys uh, in on the top teams catching wise. Yeah. It's a pretty steep drop off. Uh, which I don't know is indicative of a bigger trend or uh, just, you know, not a whole lot of uh, great catchers available, but I think it's certainly something that I think is, is, is worth considering. Yeah. I think it may just be part of it. It's a good thing to pick up on. I didn't even really notice until you pointed it out. I think it's partially because if you're a contending team, a team that's like, okay, we have a good shot at winning. You, you're willing to say catcher is going to be an important part of this team. We want to put something there. If your team that's kind of so-so doesn't know where your future lies, it's a pretty good spot to go ahead and get like other roster requirements in, or at the very least, save yourself a veteran spot or save yourself, you know, a more experienced player slot because there's other places you'd rather put that. I mean, pitching or a more active fielder spot probably makes more sense to use it there. You know, it's like looking across the board, that is definitely something that once you say it, there really isn't all too many catchers I, I'm in love with. Like Morales, I like. Lidge, I like. Lopez, I like. Uh, Boskin's more, you know, really do much catching. A lot of those guys were turners, too. Yeah, true. That's another good point, true. I mean, really, I, is, was Herm, Herman was AAA last year, so he's he's new, but 
Yeah, he Herman's been he's bouncing around for a while now. Yeah, so I mean, like, yeah, it's a it's a good thing to pick up on there. But yeah, Cleburne's a, overall as a team is a, an interesting composite, right? Like, I could very well see this team cooking on all cylinders, being the second best team in this division, having a very interesting you know first round matchup, and I could equally see them kind of struggling a bit, but still getting to that fourth spot and maybe having a bit of a different setup here. But the the other team here, and the team that I think that they're probably, at least as of right now, looking at on a collision course with, is Kane County. Because that's a team where I like certain pieces of it. I really yeah. like TJ Bennett. I really like Pete Kuzma. I really like Jimmy Kerrigan. I really like uh, Cornelius Randolph. Cesar Trejo's an interesting piece. Pitching-wise, it drops off a little bit admittedly. I mean, like Fox, Nissen, Richardson, and Westfall are really the things I look at there. Brandon Koch, too, is a, is a decent player. But overall, uh, I look at this as a whole, and I'm not... Like, I can't really tell if King County is a team that's really going to make a stride or if it's a team where, you know, it, they're just kind of there. I I like them. Yeah. I think, I think uh, in particular, this lineup... I think the lineup's really good, and yeah. I think it's honestly I would put it in the put it in the, near the top of the league uh, in, mm. in lineup wise. Like I think like a guy like T.J. Bennett's really good. Josh Allen has been uh, had had a great year last year, uh, majorly veteran like Pete Cosma yeah. as well as more of a contact guy. Cornelius Randolph too in his first stint in indie ball last year after being a, a Phillies prospect that didn't really pan out. Mm. Um, uh, he showed off. I mean, that you look at a power of Jimmy Kerrigan, uh, e- even a guy like uh, Amon Upshaw's got hit 10 home runs last year. Cesar Trejo was bounced around a little bit, but I'm, I'm, I have, I have a lot of faith in him uh, to turn it around. He's shown flashes too. And even a younger guy like Jordan Howard too, yeah. uh, who start, who started to turn it on. So I, I Kane County, I really, really like offensively. And, and I think the pitching has something to be said for it too. I think the one thing I'd be a little bit concerned about is their starting rotation. Uh, I don't know where they're getting a lot of those starts from. Uh, so that I think that'll be, that'll be certain, and certainly interesting. Luke Westfall, uh, of course, is, is going to be near, near the top of that list and, and he's solid. Uh, but, I think the starting rotations were a little bit concerned about, but there's a lot. There's some bullpen arms that 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 I'm big that I'm big fans of. Uh, Logan Nissen, especially uh, guy with a 2.38 ERA last year and a little bit of a limited sample size. Uh, but I think I think the I think the Kane County lineup bangs. I think it's really good, uh, and so yeah. I think this could be a team that could take a a a somewhat sizable step forward. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, as far as the rotation goes, I'd assume it's Westfold and Fox at the top. I mean, those are probably undisputedly the best two. Beardsley, I don't think, has ever really jumped out as like, a, oh, you know, he's a he's a guy you got to be concerned about. But he's certainly a very serviceable innings eater. Um, Mir is a guy that's interesting to me. I think he could be something decent in the association last year coming out of college and getting his nine starts in there looked solid enough. You know, so if that's your four, you know, that's not terrible in the five spot. Obviously, it circles around for a while. And there's guys in here that I think could, you know, each pick up five starts a year and there'll be additions as we go on. So I think you can make do with that. It just also feels like a little bit more by committee with that pitching rotation. But yeah, overall, I think they are probably the second best team in this division. 
And I think it would be an interesting match yeah. to see them take on. I think them versus Milwaukee is really what's going to be interesting to see because I feel like this is, you know, like where Milwaukee has a deeper pitching staff and maybe not as deep of a lineup. What's at the top of each of them is better than what's at the top of uh, of the Kane County lineup here. And I'm, I'm interested to see if Jer- Jimmy Kerrigan can repeat last year, right? And played the full 100 games in Ironman. And he did very well. Honestly, I think he had a fairly solid MVP uh, case to be made for himself. But is it going to be more like Josh Altman's following year after his MVP level worthy season? Obviously, in Altman's case, he wasn't going to beat out uh, Adam Brett Walker, who absolutely ran away with it. I mean, home run record, that's all you need to say. And everything else is great, too. Reason why he went off to Japan after that. But regardless, if it's a follow up that's more like, okay, it's a repeat of last year, then yeah, I think they're a very real team that you have to take seriously. If it's more of like a, it's still a good year, it's still a solid contributor uh, to the team, then maybe not as big of a step here, but they're an interesting setup. Yeah, I think, I think, I think, I think a lot of that's fair. I think, I don't know if I think that there's a whole lot riding. I mean, because, Having Kerrigan repeat the success he did is going to be really hard. Like, I don't need a one-for-one. Uh, one. I, I just need, like, something similar, you know? Yeah, I think I think so. Like, if you're you're talking about a guy that's going to hit over 20 home runs uh, and hitting around anywhere from, you know, 285 to, to 300 around there, yeah. I think that's – I think that's certainly uh, – that would certainly help a lot. Uh, I think – I, don't, I just I really like the depth of the lineup. I don't I wouldn't I don't think a lot of it is uh, relying on Kerrigan because I see like I see seven eight good bats in this lineup, and I think that's not something I can say for a lot of other teams. That's certainly a fair point to be made. I think TJ Bennett's a guy we're also overlooking who was very good in Lake Country last year. So I mean like that. There's certainly a lot there. It's just I don't know. I I feel like. There's something about this team, and I can't put my finger on it, that just kind of concerns me. And again, I, I can't pinpoint it, but uh, there's something there. But yeah, th- there's two other teams we haven't mentioned. I guess we should probably mention them in Gary South Shore and Lake Country. And mm. like, at least with Gary, because that seems like an easier place to jump onto, because Lake Country, I think, is a bit more of an interesting makeup of a team. Gary, man, like, I just don't, I don't really see it here. Like, uh, Tapia is solid enough. The Valley's kind of interesting to me. You know, they return a couple of guys that are pretty solid. But, like, overall, I'm just not really in love with really anyone there. And pitching-wise, I mean, it's it's kind of a it's kind of a battlefield, really. Uh, there's not... Yeah, it's not the much. Bad. Yeah. The, the pitching is not... The pitching is not good. I mean, I think... I, I look offensively. Oh, like uh, a guy like Emmanuel Tapia, who spent a lot of time with Gastonia last year and hit for hit for power, fifteen home runs in eighty three games. I think he's a guy that could really explode onto the scene. Uh, I mean, he's a big left handed swinging first baseman. He's a guy I think that could really burst onto the scene as a, as a power hitter uh, for for a team like Gary. Uh, I think uh, Jesus Mariga or yeah. Ariaga. I I hope. Like we're not here to do pronunciations. Yeah, I mean, he had a really strong year last year, and and, and is also going to help. Uh, I mean, LG Castillo as well had another had another good year. There's a lot of guys I think that. Uh, and oh, and another and another thing, of course, I think 
Gio Diaz is a good example of a guy. Again, he's a guy who hit 394 in the Pioneer League last year. Not a whole lot of power, but uh, but how does a guy like that translate to a to a higher level of indie ball? Yeah, I think it's it's going to be less hitter friendly at altitude too. I mean, Pioneer League's playing in some higher altitudes as well, which kind of inflates the offensive numbers too. Mm-hmm. I will say though, I think the the thing that jumps out though about Gary is I think they're built a lot more around speed uh, than mm-hmm. than than other teams. Than a lot of teams are kind of built by power. They're built a lot more by contact and speed, which I, I think is a bit of uh, a difference in what they've tried to build in year in recent years. And I'm interested to see if that if that flips it, if that changes, I guess, the end result. Uh, the pitching, I'm very concerned about. But I think the offense, I think there's some intrigue uh, intrigue here. And with a lot of more speed, contact, athleticism-driven lineup as opposed to, like, the big boppers that some, some teams have. And they have they have one of those guys in Tapia but, uh, who's not going to steal any bases. But there, there's other guys that I think that there's a lot of speed that I think would I'd be intrigued by. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's probably the best way to go about it. I mean, you look at the ballpark, it's not terribly – you know, deep to hit out, but there's never really much power there. And so going to a speed approach, maybe the better way of going about it, trying to do kind of like a, go, a Gastonia light version almost feels like the way to go. I still don't really love it. Cause again, like I go back to who's the guy in your lineup that you're going to say, I want up when everything's down. Mariaga is probably the guy. Uh, but outside of that, there's not that many other guys that I really am like, okay, he's going to, he can win us a game. And like, I look at the pitching staff and there's nobody I can say, yep, if we need to win this game, I want him on the mound. Maybe Irwin's probably the closest to that. Um, but, you know, outside of him, I don't really see much else here that I can trust to take the bump in a must-win game. And that's a concern of mine, certainly. And overall, it just it seems like a very meh team. Although I do think you're on something with the speed element of it. I think that's probably the better course of action to go down. Uh, but but yeah, I, I'm not really in love with Gary. Uh, and I think that the division that they're in doesn't do them any favors either with Milwaukee and Cleburne and King County being, I think, fairly safe as playoff teams. What happens from there on, who knows? But I think those are fairly safe playoff teams. And so they're just not really done any favors because Chicago is still kind of there. We set our case on them earlier where they could go any either way and they're fighting for a playoff spot here. And then Lake Country, I mean, mentioned them a while back as just a bunch of like guys that I know for being horribly mid. And it just feels like that's the case with the whole Lake Country team is very mid and why that is a limiting factor. It also is kind of like, hey, you have a high floor and a low ceiling. And with Gary, it feels like the ceiling isn't high enough to justify the floor. Yeah, I'd agree with that. But I think the floor could be. A, well, I don't know. I, I was going to say the floor could be a little bit higher than recent years. But the pitching is not so not great on paper. I don't know if that's fair to say. So, yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I think, I think this, this watching the speed, I think the, their speed, I think they'll be entertaining. And I think it's, it's a better strategy than trying to beat teams like Milwaukee and, and Chicago and Kane County at their own game and trying to do something different. I think it's, I think it's, I don't mind trying to switch it up. Yeah. I appreciate them trying something new, trying something different that, that needs to happen here. And, and uh, I appreciate that even if it doesn't work, it, 
if you lose the same way, there's no real point in it. At least lose a different way. Uh, but yeah, as far as uh, Lake Country goes, because they're all we have left to really discuss here as far as teams. Everyone else we've covered in some manner. Uh, is there really anything on this team here that really jumps out at you? Because batting-wise, there really is nothing here. Austin Elder is kind of interesting to me. Um, and then pitching-wise, obviously there's Tyler Pike. But outside of him, uh, Krasinski... Kind of looks interesting. Alex McRae, former major leaguer, kind of interesting. Drew Minter. It's intriguing to me if for no other reason than he did decent in the Pioneer, in the uh, not Pioneer League, in the Pecos League. And to not have your ERA blow up over there is kind of intriguing to me. But everything else is just like, okay, a bunch of guys that uh, are so so. Well, I think uh, in the lineup, I agree that the, the lineup is not a inspiring group. I do think Nick Banks is a is a guy who can really jump out uh, because I mean, if you look at what, what Banks did last year, 79 games in AAA, and he's, he's a 28-year-old, so you yeah. can, I guess, draw your own conclusions why he's here. But he's a guy with 265, an OPS of 790 with 11 home runs in AAA last year. So I, I think that's worth um, – I I think he is a guy that I find very intriguing mm-hmm. uh, in this lineup. Um, the rest of the lineup, I don't I, I don't think is a very uh, inspiring group. Jax Groshans, a former Red Sox prospect, he wasn't very good. So I'm going to continue to bet he won't be great now. Uh, now I think on the uh, on the pitching side of things. Um, Mike Shawarin, I I didn't know I didn't well obviously Tyler Pike is yeah uh, I think is really good I don't think uh, his ERA or uh, I think his ERA just over five last year in Double A uh, I think to be honest with you the fact that he can go back now to being a starter when he was a reliever a multi inning bullpen guy yeah. in uh, in I don't think that's his game. And I understand that, like, that's he's probably not a starter in the AAA level or whatever. But when it comes to this, like, when it comes to like, I, I think he's really going to be able to uh, be who he is uh, back in the American Association. So I think Pike's going to be great. I think he's going to be among the the uh, in the among the front runners for for pitcher of the year. Buckshaw Warren's a guy I'm interested in as well. He pitched with the Red Sox a little bit. He's battled a lot of injuries over the years, but he's he was a big leaguer as well. Uh, so, it, it, so an interesting guy to to look for there as well. But I think, yeah, I, I don't, especially in the, in the in a division. I think as far as their division goes, Lake Country definitely near the bottom. Uh, just not a whole lot of depth on this roster. Uh, so, yeah, not a huge fan of what I, I guess what I've seen. Yeah, anything on Connor Fisk? Because I can't really tell. Because I feel like he could maybe be a bounce back kind of guy. But at the same time, I'm not really sold on him either. And can I just also say, the way Jax Groshans spells Jax with two X's, it really yeah. annoys me. You better be freaking good if you're going to do that. Exactly. At least make it comical and add a third X to the end of your name. A third X? Yeah, so at Jax. least it could be XXX. Because at least it could do something fun with that. And also, in fairness to Harrison Smith, he's going to go on fire for like, three random weeks non-consecutive at some point in the year and he's going to have at least three or four really clutch moments he's still going to hit about 200 to 250 but he's going to have three or four moments where you're like 
this guy deserves to be in the starting lineup. And there's going to be like a 10-game stretch two or three times each year where you're like, he deserves to be a starter. He's proven himself. And then it's right off the cliff because that's what happened in Chicago in consecutive years. So I'm waiting for that to happen again, which again, it's not a very encouraging sign when what? Let's see what. Uh, let me just make sure I have all my information right here. When your total bases are 81 and your strikeouts are 87. That's not very encouraging. You can't have total base. Oh, yeah. God, the guy above him, 73 to 83. The, you can't have the strikeout number higher than total bases. That's never good. No, that's not. No, not not good at all. So, yeah, I, I don't think Lake Country will be very good, but maybe yeah. maybe they'll prove us wrong. I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. I doubt it, but maybe. So, uh, I suppose on that note, we've talked about every team in particular. Uh, we did the burning question thing last time. I'm not sure we want to bring that back again, or if we just want to go right into predictions. I'm open to whichever. Uh, um, I don't think going into pre- I think predictions wouldn't be a, wouldn't be a bad idea. All right, yeah, so then we'll just jump right into that, and then we'll we'll go from there. If there's popular demand for burning questions, we'll address that next week, although I highly doubt there will be. So uh, I guess we'll just go right to your four playoff teams from each division, uh, championship matchup, and then uh, who you see winning the uh, winning the championship. We're, we're doing this full. We're knocking this all out at once. Yeah, I, might I guess, well, all right. yeah just might as well go for it. Yeah, okay. Well, uh, I think in the East... For me, I like uh, it's not going to be a very bold one in the East. I'm going to go with the same four teams as last year. Uh, with that being, uh, Milwaukee, I'm going to have I'd put Milwaukee one, Kane County two, Cleburne three, Chicago four. Okay. Uh, so and then in the West, uh, in, in the West, I'd go Fargo. I'd go Fargo Moorhead one, Kansas City two. Uh, give me. Hmm. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna put Winnipeg at four, and I'll go with. Hmm. I'm gonna go Lincoln at three. Lincoln at three. All right. But I think Sioux. But I think I think Sioux. Uh, I think Sioux City is close. Yeah. I, Sioux I, City, I not Sioux, Sioux Falls. No. Okay. I, I think I think Sioux City is close. Sioux Falls. I just I just I can't get behind the pitching. Pitching too what, brutal. Yeah, that's what. Uh, that's what concerns me the most i think now as far as the the top two teams in each division i'll take uh i'll take milwaukee and kane county uh in in the uh in the east division final uh rematch of kansas city fargo moorhead in the west uh and i will take you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna be different i'm gonna take kane county over milwaukee in the east okay yeah i i I believe and i think i think they're gonna take a big step forward this year and in a playoff series i think milwaukee's the better roster yeah but uh i also don't want to be boring and pick the uh just pick the same exact championship series matchup yeah uh, but so i'm gonna i'm gonna pick fargo and uh i'm gonna pick fargo and king county and my and i'll go with fargo as my champion because i think their roster is just fantastic uh and uh however that could could easily change um, and in short series, anything could happen. But uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna believe in Kane County, but I think Fargo Moorhead will be too much in the end. I think that's fair. Uh, I definitely think it's fair. I'm kind of in agreement with you, at least for the East. I think it is going to be Milwaukee, Kane, Cleburne, Chicago. I'd probably say 
I don't know why. I'm just going to put Chicago ahead. I guess it's going to be different. Not that it really matters because choose your own opponent changes things a lot too. So Milwaukee said, well, give me, uh, give me Chicago again and then, or vice versa. So we get rematches, whatever it works out to be. I think it could be a fun series there. As far as in the West goes, it's interesting to me because the West, it feels like both more open and both closed at the same time, if that makes any sense. Like, I'm kind of ruling Winnipeg out. And, like, Fargo and KC, I feel like, are really the only two safe bets. Because there's always weird stuff that happens. And I feel like this is the year that Fargo overtakes KC as far as getting to choose the real opponent here. I I really want to take Sioux Falls just because I feel like there's something about him. I don't know what it is. I just feel like there's something there. So I'm, I'm going to put Sioux Falls in the three of all places to put them. Just because I really am not in love with anything else here. Lincoln, I feel like, slides into that last spot. If for no other reason than I don't really like Winnipeg. I don't really like um, Sioux City. So that kind of just narrows her down. So I feel like Lincoln gets that. I don't think it really matters in the end, though. I feel like we're going to get, and I know it's really boring, I get it's boring, but I feel like it's Fargo-Milwaukee again. It just feels like these are the two teams that are destined to meet there, and I'd almost kind of be fine with getting like a, a kind of Cavs-Warriors uh, or you know Celtics-Lakers kind of matchup, grudge matches with it you know, going forward, because these are just two really fun teams to watch. I'll be different in the sense of I think Milwaukee takes it over uh, over Fargo. If for no other reason, then I feel like the pitching depth can help them out here. And I think there's going to be some move made that's going to get them that bat they need. And again, I just don't know why, but I'm, I'm going to take Anthony Barone's staff. Maybe it's because he came on the show and we haven't gotten Chris Coast yet. Maybe that's why I'm doing it. But I'm going to take it. I'm going to say Milwaukee over uh, Fargo. I feel like that's just... It's different enough, but it's cool. it's fairly boring. I get it, but it is what it is. So I'm going Milwaukee over Fargo. Okay. Yeah. So that's the I way that it is. Certainly, certainly one I can't disagree with. But yeah, yeah that'd be that'd be cool if that could really turn into a, a some sort of rivalry in the championship game and the championship series uh, with Milwaukee and Fargo. But I'm sure Kansas City will have something to say about that too. Absolutely. Like that's the thing. Like. Obviously, I'm excited for the po- for the season itself, and I don't want to look forward to September before we're even through May. But it feels like we have so much potential for really quality playoff baseball in this league. It really feels that way. Between having a possible Cleburne and uh, King County, or really Milwaukee versus anyone in there, could really be exciting. Obviously, Fargo and KC is really what we're looking forward to again because those matchups are always fun. I mean, I don't want to write off the other teams, but I mean, like, come on, we all know what we really want for that uh, division final, right? So there's just so many really intriguing possibilities, at least early on, that I'm really amped for this season just because there's so many teams here that, like, we know the three or four teams that are really ahead of everybody else. And with the exception of, I think like two maybe three teams everybody else is very much in play that i could just see them popping up and being this year's spoiler right yeah i think there's i think there's more opportunities for that this year uh than 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 past years uh and teams we're looking out for like i think two falls will be really interesting to watch i think kane county will be really interesting to watch 
Uh, and even seeing even if a team like uh, Chicago can put it together, I think uh, th- there's I think there's a lot more parity this year than I guess there has been in past years. I think on paper, so that I, I think it'll be a fun year. Absolutely, and it's something to really look forward to. But with that, so ends our American Association preview. We can finally get full on into the games and really get to discuss this next week. We get. Uh, the Frontier League preview and then the Pioneer League one, and then it's just hit the ground running as far as actual baseball discussion here on out. So we'll see how all that works out there. But uh, yeah, I guess uh, it's time to go to the plugs and get out of here. We have another long episode, but the ones with previews and interviews are always long, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. So uh, with that said, plugs. Uh, If you want to find the show, you can find it wherever you find podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, any major platform has the show. Rate, review, subscribe if you can. All that jazz. Uh, you can find the show on social media, on Twitter, at IndieBallPod, on Instagram, ALPB underscore news, and IndieBallReport. Um, yeah, and the website's got the show notes. It's got links to everything. Got every episode, too. If you want to find something, check the website. Probably there. Uh, that said, anything else left to add this week? Sunday, Celtic Sixers, Game 7. Go Celtics. They're all time going to be really, really sad. Uh, Devil season over two. Uh, we're not the better team in five games against Carolina, but I, I, they are far from done. They're just getting started. I uh, can't wait to see how, I can't wait to see what, how that sh- team shakes out in the future and uh, see what happens when they get a team like Carolina in the playoffs again. But uh, it's certainly an, an, an amazing year, but not quite ready for, uh, for a team like Carolina. Uh, and specifically, I think on, on on the defense side of things that they need to get better at. But I think a full year of Hughes and maybe even Simon Nemich as well uh, can can really help too. So I'm excited excited for the future of the Devils and an uh, extremely good year to build off of. The Toronto Maple Leafs have been eliminated from postseason contention. Sure have. That's fantastic. I, I'm really enjoying this. I'm really enjoying those arrogant bastards chatting. We want Florida having to live with that overtime winner in your own barn. God, five games. That's five. I See, I can't tell if it's better that they won one game and then got their heart broken on a Friday night in their own barn. Yes. Or if it would have been better for them to be swept and still have yet to win a second round game since 2004. I, I'd go with the former. Yeah. I mean, like, they're both really good. Like, I'm enjoying Toronto losing. Like, I'm not a big Florida fan. You know, but at the same time, I really don't like Toronto because like Toronto's like the Dallas Cowboys of hockey, right? Like mm. they haven't won anything in a while. They're still hanging on to those last little bit of glory years and hockey media always is talking about them for no real reason. And Toronto fans are oddly smug for what they are. And it, it kind of annoys me. I'm not going to lie. But uh yeah, so Toronto's out. The only thing I really got to add is it's been a good couple of days. Uh, jersey I ordered back in December on both counts. Both came in. One was the Tri-City jersey, which if you haven't seen on Twitter, go check that out because it does say Law Firm on the back. Fantastic jersey. It's great. Other jersey was a Christmas gift I got, so that got in all embroidered. looks nice. And uh, yeah, everything else I ordered all came in on the same day, so it was great. So uh, I've been riding a wave. It's been doing pretty good lately. So I'm happy about that. Love that. Yeah, so it's all good. 
So, yeah, if that's really all I got to add. I'm really trying to milk this for like another 15 seconds so that way we can end on an hour 45, even though it'll be <laughs> edited down to be less than that anyway. But for me personally, I'm just trying to kill another like three to five seconds so that way I can wrap up and end with, so don't forget to play ball. <laughs> <laughs>